today and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I promise you it's not in the New Testament. Being a smart elegant. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Verse 1 talks about the Philistines had gathered their armies to battle. Saul encountered by gathering his troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley in between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from the Gath, from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was a giant of a man, measuring, some say, as nine feet, as much as 11 feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and a coat of mail that weighed 125 pounds. He also wore a bronze, bronze leggings, and he slung a bronze javelin over his back. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. An armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a huge shield. Goliath stood and shouted across to the Israelites, do you need a whole army to settle this issue? Choose someone to fight for you today, and I will represent the Philistines. If your man is able to kill me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you today... You men of Israel, you will be my slaves. I defy the armies of Israel. Send a man who will fight with me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. I'm speaking to a group here today that I know for a fact you're facing giants. How do I know? We all face them. I even have a few of my own. The bottom line is that you may not face your giants. You may be on the run. You may may be attempting to avoid your giant, to hope that, that it just go away. You need to know that your giants will not just go away. They must be faced, and they have to be defeated. You see, this story is a familiar story. Many of you have heard that from a child about David and Goliath and how where David was on the mountainside as a 17-year-old boy attending his father's sheep and how the Scriptures teach us that he was faithful at that and in the process of tending those few small sheep as Eliab the brother who was very angry David showed up at the battle. He said, what are you doing here? David was anxious. He was glad that his daddy had asked him to take food and to take some presents to the king Saul and then see what was going on in the battle. You see, David had learned a few battles himself. He had fought a few battles himself on that hillside with those few small sheep. You know the story. David killed a lion with his own bare hands. Now, honestly, today, I've never done that. I don't even want to try. 
The scripture goes to say that David fought a bear, and he killed the bear with his bare hands. So he walks up, and he sees what he thought was a battle going on. Instead, what he ran into was a shouting match. More hollering from the side of Goliath than the scripture says the army of Saul was shaking in their boots. They were terrified, paralyzed, if you will. Now, look, David was a big dude. As a matter of fact, he would have been a a modern-day incredible hulk. The NBA would have been after him for sure because of his height and as tall of a man that he was. I thought it's interesting because today I want to share with you about fighting the giant of your life. Some of you are doing that. And, and, and hopefully you'll understand that you're not a bad person because you're in a fight. You're not a bad person because you're having a struggle. You're not a bad person because, you see, Goliath, when he came out, David fought Goliath, first of all, as a young boy. The scriptures say that he's somewhere around 17 years old. When he walked up, uh, up to, the, to the situation, he looked at it, he sized it up, and David saw it from God's perspective. David said, look, how much smaller the giant is than God. When you look at big obstacles, when you look at big tasks, when you look at big jobs, how do you look at it? Do you say, oh, man, I can't do this. I couldn't teach a class. I couldn't even go to church. I couldn't do all this. I can't be fed. I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, David didn't have that kind of perspective. You see, David looked at it like this. I serve God. My God has protected me. My God loves me. I've given my heart. And you know what? My God can take care of problems. Many of us are in this room today. We faced from giants of depression. When you become 63, you learn a little bit about what depression's about. You learn a little bit about staying in a church come February, 30 years of what discouragement is about. You learn a lot of things and you face a lot of different giants of even temptation, testings in our life. Look at verse 45. Goliath came out and he said, I tell you what. Or David said this to Goliath, excuse me. You come to me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the almighty God, the armies of Israel whom you have defied this day. Well, David looked at the situation a little bit different than the whole army of Israel. They're sitting over here shaking. And he's standing up saying, just let me get at this dude. Now, Saul thought he knew better, King Saul. And all of a sudden, what he tries to do in verses 4 to roughly verses 11, he tries to put all this armor on him to fix him up as a soldier. Only problem is David said, I can't fight like this. The Scriptures teach us As a matter of fact, it's kind of interesting. This won't cost you anything, and I won't charge you on this. 
But if you look into these verses in verse 4 on, you find a repeating theme. The repeating theme is number 6. We're told that in verse 4 that he had the height of six cubits in a span. We're told that he had six pieces, and this is Goliath, of armor. We're also, we see, where the spearhead weighed 600 shekels. It's kind of a repeating theme here, and you say, well, could you be reading into this? Well, maybe so. But the Bible talks about a day and time when there will be an enemy come, and uh, he will come bearing six, six, six. Well, I won't spend a lot of time talking to you about the Antichrist, but I will tell you this. De- uh, Goliath was definitely a symbol of Satan. He was definitely a symbol of the enemy. And what he wanted to do is to defeat the, uh, the army of Israel to enslave them so that they would be his slaves. Let me tell you something right now so you'll get it good in your head. You get defeated by temptation. You get defeated by depression. You get defeated by discouragement. You get defeated by something coming your way. And I promise you the enemy looks at it like this. If I can defeat you, I can enslave you. I can control you. I have you. So understand, our job is to defeat the giant. Well, it's interesting that when David went out, he said, I can't fight like this, King Saul. I got to have my sling. I got to have my bag for my stones. Leave me alone. I may be young, but I've, I've done this before. So the Bible says he picked up how many stones? Some said seven. Some say five. Anybody got another answer? Three. (laughs) He picked up five smooth stones. Now, wait a minute. Only one giant. Nobody, the Bible doesn't speak of anybody else but Goliath coming out. You whip me, man, and I'll be your slave. But if I beat you, you're going to be ours. But he picks up five. It's interesting, isn't it? Well, being from Tennessee, smooth stones to me come from a creek. They come from trout streams. They come from where the water runs over the rocks, and you end up with these little small stones. My my wife, I think, picked up the habit of her mama going places and, and collecting rocks, collecting stones. Well, this day, David stood, and he collected five. I just think that's interesting. It used to bug me until I read a little further in the Bible. Because, you see, when David got older, well, I'll let you look at it. Look at Second Samuel 21. When I read this, I go, doggone. I hear a lot of people say, you know what? The Bible confuses me. The Bible is incomplete. The Bible is, is, is just confusing. Well, if, if you believe that David was going to miss, I agree with you. But David wasn't planning on missing. Because you see, not only, number one, did David fight the Goliath of his life when he was young, but there's a second thing that took place. You want to know what that is? 
David fought for other giants. You say, that's not in the Bible. I told you to turn to 2 Samuel, chapter 21, verse 15. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Y'all know what that's all about? See, some of you don't have a clue. I used to, I used to be like some of you in that. Not, not as good looking as you guys are. But y'all are, y'all are ripped. I know that. I can see it when you walk. You're proud of it. Well, mine rip has took a dive. And, and it's going to happen to you too. And, and, and what that falls under is getting older. Because all that firm, all that tone, all that weight you're lifting now, I challenge you to see if you're still doing that at 63. And when you get to be 80, all that chunk is going to go to chunk all right. But it's a different kind of chunk. You see, the Bible says that David waxed faint. He got tired. What does that mean? That means he's still fighting giants at an old age. Oh, he's still, he's tearing it up. But he needed help. Now, some of you have had the blessings, like I, to watch my dad when he was young. Son, I I didn't mess with my dad when he was young. Well, when my dad got old, there were times I, and and it was everything I could do to carry my dad in the house when he collapsed on the front porch because I knew my dad was dying. On a Sunday afternoon, Cindy said, Mike, you need to go visit your dad. I said, I know. I've, I've been feeling it all day. Thank God for a godly wife. And I'm talking about you need to go see him today. I said, I know. Let me get through with the day. And that, this evening we'll go to Emory because that's where he was at. And I walked in the room and I looked in my dad's face. And I could see it. I said, what's going on, y'all? Mama looked at me and she said, do you know they're releasing your dad today? He's going home. I didn't say nothing. I said, I'll take dad and you and Cindy follow in the car. And he can come. I'll, 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 I'll take him home because he's not going to make it in the house by himself. When he got on the couch in the living room, I'll never forget. He just sort of fell in the couch. And he began to breathe hard. Man, he hadn't walked but 20 steps. And his old dog, Smokey, jumped up on him and was licking him all over the face. I said, Smokey, he said, leave Smokey alone. Sorry. Don't bother him. He looked at me and he said, Mike, I'm tired. I know it's getting close. And then he just kind of hushed. Well, I left that night. And I went home, I called all my sisters, I called all my brothers, 
And I said, guys, if you want to see dad alive, you better go this week because he's going to die. Now, you say, how do you know that? You're no doctor. You're right. I'm not. Well, you're no prophetess. At that time, I was. Now, there's a lot of times I missed it. My dad died the next morning. And I just barely got there, only to see him being worked on by the paramedics. My daddy had waxed old. My dad got tired. David was fighting, look at it. When David met his men, they were in the thick of battle. David became weak and exhausted. Ishbabina was a descendant of the giants. Now, let me tell you something. How many of y'all hope you go, grow up and have grandkids? I hope you do. Well, maybe this would be a good name for your grandchild. Ishbabina, come here, Ishi. His bronze and spearhead weighed more than seven pounds. He was armed with a new sword. He had covered David and was about to kill him, and Abishai, son of Zerah, came to his rescue and killed the Philistine. And after that, David's men declared, you're not going out to battle again. Why should we risk snuffing out the light of Israel? You know who the light of Israel? It was David. David was a different person. Because he was older. He fought Sath. He fought the brother of the Gittite. I used to have a list of these names, these four Goliaths. And have anybody, anybody ever heard of Bill Gothard? Raise your hand. Well, Bill Gothard had all these four giants listed, and he gave uh, a meaning. And I lost that paper. And I have pulled it up. I have Googled it. Can you imagine that? I have Googled it. I've tried to find that. But to show you what I'm talking about, notice the fourth giant. He had six fingers on one hand and six toes on his feet. Now, it doesn't take a, a scientist. It doesn't take a theologian to discover what he's talking about. He's talking about somebody that has a lot of fingers and a lot of toes, Right? Well, Bill Gothard, I remember this one. He said that his giant that he faced here, and we face it too, is called greed. The giant of greed. Now, he had it cleared, laid out. Honestly, I couldn't find them. But I want you to understand something. These five stones... Were the four were prepared when he was older to fight these four other giants. What does that mean? That means when you get older, you're going to get waxed. I'm not talking about waxing your eyebrows or anything like that. You're going to get older. You're going to get more feeble. But you're still going to be fighting giants. Then it will be health issues. Then it could be financial issues. It could be family issues. You see in verse 7, chapter 1 Samuel 17, 28, it says, When David's oldest brother heard David talking to the men, he got angry. 
and he, he was jealous and he was angry and, he, and pride swelled up in him. And uh, he said, what about those few small sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride and your dishonesty. Yeah, even lying is a giant. David was fighting the giants in his golden years. Now, somebody said, if they're so golden, why do I feel so worn and tired out? (laughs) If they're so great, why do I feel so bad? Now, how many in here are over 60? Raise your hand. You're over 60. Well, we've got a few in here. Is this starting to happen to you? I'm a little worried about myself, but I was sitting over there a minute ago, and I got up, and I like to fell against the wall. Now, it's not vertigo because I have vertigo. I know what that's all about. Have you gotten when you got over 60 that you found out that you, if you're not careful, you, your balance is not what it used to be? You're looking at a man used to ride cranes on a crane ball. And, and if I'm not mistaken, Putty was around those things. I could, it could have been your crane because we was working for the same company. How do, I don't know. If I wanted to go to the third floor, I didn't drive. I just got on the crane ball, rode it up. They won't let you do that today. And guess what? I wouldn't do it today. I get on a six-foot ladder, get to the top of that, and all of a sudden, my knees and everything goes to shaking. Now, that's not the way it used to be. I mean, I could walk walls, do things with trusses on outside walls, and didn't think a thing about it when I was young. But now that I've gotten older, it's different. I, didn't, I thought vertigo was your, your sign. I didn't know it was actually something that you get. And I get it. See, when you get older, you know what that's all about. You, you know the ones that's laughing at you, the over 60. You know what I'm talking about. The focus is a giant could be a series of unfortunate events like what happened to Job. Johnny Hunt, one of my, I look up to him in the ministry, and I can't believe he's resigned this church. 10,000-member church, he's resigned. It's blowing me away. Not, think I, not that I don't think about it every once in a while, but, you know, he's about a half a year or a year older than I am. He come up with a series, and we're running this series right now with the Damascus Road guys, called Taking Down Your Goliath. He mentions seven giants. I'm just going to give you the head titles of them. One, the giant of sex, the giant of money, the giant of habits, the giant of temptation, the giant of failure, the giant of fear, and the giant of relationships. Those are all giants that we face in our life. And he spent dollars on end making a video series and helped teaching men that we face different giants in life. So the third giant, and the third idea is, I want to just talk just a few minutes. If you would, turn to first or Second Samuel 11. And that is the giant that slew David. Are you believing that? Are you believing a 17-year-old that whooped the fire out of one sling beat David? Are you talking about the same David that 
with four other smooth stones, with help, he defeated four other giants. But now I'm going to show you the giant that defeated him. Second Samuel chapter 11. What was that giant's name? Oh, my goodness, it had a name, Bathsheba. David, when he should have been, verse 1, at war, stayed behind. You know, my grandmother used to say this all the time. An idle mind, you finish it, is the devil's workshop. You ever heard that? An idle mind. How does anybody's mind get idle? But you know what? David was idle. The Scripture says he was sleeping in when he should have been fighting. He should have been leading his army in great battle. But instead, he was lollygagging on top of the palace. And that's where it took place. Bathsheba was somewhere where he could see her bathing. You know, Satan knows exactly how to orchestrate for your life and mine certain giants. He knows exactly the stress cracks in your armor. He knows where you're tempted. He knows exactly where your weak points are. He knows all of that. And he's smart enough to wait until you're not smart enough and catch you by surprise. What were some of the things that led up to it looks like in David's life? Well, we know, number one, a neglect of duty. He should have been in battle, but instead, what was he doing? He wasn't doing anything. He was idle. Second of all, we see that David not only was idle, not only was he neglecting his duty, but he was very, listen to this, he was very successful. David never lost a battle. Some have asked me, what is a successful pastor? I said, I don't know. I don't feel like one. But I look at Johnny Hunt, I said, he is. A friend of mine, Larry Wynn, who used to pastor Hebron Church, he started that church, and it was running around 125. And when he left it to go with the North American Mission Board, it was running and plateaued about 4,000. Now, to me, that must be successful. But is success only in numbers? Because if you're in the palace, if you're at house... And something's happening to your heart, and you ain't right, and you know it. You know it because you let things in you shouldn't. You know it because you allow your mind to think thoughts you shouldn't think. Does it mean you're a bad person? No, sir. No, ma'am. It means you're being tempted. 
by a very powerful enemy. And it's a giant that's seeking. Well, what about pride? You know what? I could hear them now. Do you remember when Saul came back in 1 Samuel 17 and he defeated Goliath, what was being said? Saul killed a thousand, but David killed. And all of a sudden, King Saul got jealous. Pride began to swell up. And, and this is David, man. Can you imagine? I'm just 17. You know that walk. You know what I'm talking about. And David spent the next several years before he became king running for his life. Ladies and gentlemen, you have pride issues too. And some of you may be very successful at what you do. Just remember, Proverbs tells us that pride cometh before the fall. I can just see David where if he wasn't careful, got a little arrogant. His brother was arrogant. What are you doing down here, son? What are you doing? You, you prideful, dishonest, arrogant brother. Where, why aren't you with your few little old sheep? Well, now that don't sound good, does it? And here his brother, Eliab, was fighting in the battle, shaking in his boots. Well, now little old David, 17, he says, y'all just shake all you want to. I'm going to go defeat this for you. David could have been a little bit arrogant, too. Because if you're good at what you do, one of the biggest temptations that we have in life is being a little prideful. And if we're not careful, we'll take advantage of that. And he definitely neglected the spiritual man. Do you know what the Bible says about David's heart? Anybody know? He was a man after God's own heart. And yet he was a man who failed. He had a moral failure. He, clay, he caved to temptation. It got so far, so far that he even created murder to Bathsheba's husband. And then it got worse than that. They had a child. And the baby died. As a result, the Bible says, of David's sin. I want to let, you know, normally I'll have a little story for you, but I want you to hear the Bible story. I, I want you to hear in chapter 12, second chapter, and I'm closing with this, second Samuel 12, this is a story that the, that's given to us in the Word of God. It said the Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to tell David a story. Now, some of you say, I just don't believe it's biblical when a preacher gets up there and gives illustrations in the story. Then throw your Bible away, would you? <laughs> because Jesus gives stories all the time. And you know what? I learned them stories, Alec. You can give me all that raw truth and I'll eat it up, but boy, when you tell me a story, I remember it. Well, David sure remembered this story. He said, there were two men in a certain town. One was rich. One was poor. The rich man owned many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but a little lamb. 
and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate. Can you imagine that? Now, surely you don't let your dog eat from your plate. I know some of you do. You love your dog just that much. And drank from his cup. He loved that sheep. He cuddled it in his arms, and he drank from his cup. And drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. Can you imagine taking that sheep and it actually become a part of the family that it was considered a baby? You surely wouldn't do such a thing. <laughs> Little do you know. One day a guest arrived at home of the rich man. But instead of killing the lamb from his own flocks for food, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and served it to his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one who he stole and for having no pity. And here's what Nathan then, the prophet, said to David. You are that man. That cut deep. The Lord God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you a house and his wives in the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? You have murdered Uriah and stolen his wife. Mm. Why did he do that to David? Because David was trying to hide this. And God had enough. You see, you're going to fight giants. And some of you right now may be in the fighting the giant of your life. And you just ain't willing to tell nobody. What could that be, Mike? That could be a relationship going sour. That could be a ton of stuff. That could for, be for you guys, you're on the verge of making the worst decision you've ever made in your life for someone who's treating you different, maybe better than you think, than your wife. It's a total mistake. It's a disaster. Forget it. It's the enemy. You wives who work jobs, and, and yes, your husband probably don't pull out your chair and don't even let you get in the car before he takes off and shut the door, and, and, and then you go to work, and this... Dude comes up and pours you a cup of coffee and makes you feel like you're a million dollars. He probably wouldn't let you get in the car if he was married to you either. Isn't it amazing how Satan works? Here I am. I shouldn't have done this. I, I, I got to tell you this. I, I shouldn't have done this last night at 1030 with your, your kids, but I, it got on my mind. I couldn't help it. There was 38 kids standing there, and I looked at them, and I looked at them. I said, your pastor has done something bad today. Oh, what was asleep? Woke up. Preacher done something wrong. What'd you do, preacher? Oh, man. I've done something awful. I got two people in the worst trouble today they've ever been in their entire, they're going to be, their whole life is going to be nothing but trouble. 
They're just looking at me like, what did our preacher do? I said, you want to know what I did? Yeah. I performed their wedding this morning. (laughs) Now, don't sit here laughing at me and tell me you ain't had any trouble. When I have trouble, I pay $95 an hour to help me and Cindy get out. I don't have nobody to go to. You say, have you ever done that? Yeah, three times. I get it done quick, though. $95 an hour is $95 an hour. That's a lot of money. I just get it right. Don't tell me, ladies and gentlemen, that you're not facing the giants of your life. Don't tell me whether you're young, middle-aged, or old, you're not facing trouble. Don't tell me that. You're lying to yourself. What are you going to do? It's painful when you face and have to hear it from a prophet of your wrong or someone else. It's painful. But at least he heard it. And David got it right. If you don't think David didn't get it right, this afternoon, I want you to go read Psalms 51. That was in, David wrote that psalm in response to the giant that defeated him. With your heads about.